0: Welcome back to our podcast, The Back and Wooly Show, a podcast where we discuss and explore the intersection of spirituality and business leadership.
1: I'm Nydia McGregor, one of your hosts. And I'm Jennifer Woolley, your other host. In this episode, we'll be talking some more about work from home. Last time we talked about the personal side of staying sane while working from home. And this time we're gonna turn our attention to the teams. Um, And although spirituality tends to be thought of as more personal, our interactions with others can really support or hinder our personal lives and our spiritual lives. So as we discussed in the first episode, spirituality is really important for establishing a sense of purpose and grounding ourselves, uh, especially, and we've, we've all experienced this recently, During turbulent business situations.
0: And given the turbulence,
1: this may surprise you. Hold on.
0: But your team is stressed out. Period. It's a fact.
1: Completely fact. Not fiction. It is a fact. And no amount of coffee will fix it. Buy everyone a coffee maker. Give them a Keurig. Give them gift cards to Starbucks. See what happens. I actually like
0: that idea. I can use one of those. I'm always in 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 lust of those coffee, especially in Nespresso. Every time I see those ads, I love them.
1: But I anyway, love my Nespresso. I, I digress. I digress.
0: <sighs> All right. Anyway, we thought we could spend the first part of the episode talking about why everyone is stressed out, um, but focusing more on the team side. In other words, thinking about the reality for your team members. And then in the second part, we'll discuss what we can do to help our team survive.
1: Nice. Okay. So why is everyone so stressed out? Well, to break it to you. It may be your fault. Oh, that's nice. I didn't mean yours. I meant leadership in general, especially the leaders with unrealistic expectations.
0: Oh, like being a workaholic and that that's the norm, you know, the behavior that's expected of everybody. I've had that boss before. Oh
1: gosh. Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't pretty because in circumstances like that, it feels like nothing you do is good enough, everything you're doing, everything you possibly can, and it's never good enough. And,
0: and now that many people are not in the office or in the cubicle or in the bullpen or the shared table space thingy, there's a lot of pressure to be the ideal worker, right? Because you don't have that face-to-face to give people cues about the fact that you are working. And so we feel this pressure to be the ideal worker, completely devoted to the job, to sort of compensate for that less FaceTime.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like remote FaceTime on steroids. And it's not a bullpen, but it's on Zoom. And, you know, we're not talking about the app. We're talking about that in-person direct communication that's this cornerstone of some companies, but is exhausting. You mean like that lovely boss
0: who doesn't understand that work from home doesn't mean on-call 24-7?
1: Yeah, I've heard about bosses that literally want to be able to call, text, Zoom, Slack, whatever, at any hour and get an immediate response.
0: It's almost as if they didn't get the memo that you have a life, that we have a life, that we need to sleep or buy groceries. What are groceries? I, I don't know. I, I, those things that arrive at your door after you've placed an order for them? Oh. Yeah,
1: I still haven't even gotten that far. Um Then again, I I didn't have a life pre or post pandemic, so I'm not yeah, people aren't supposed to have a life. I don't. All right. Back to what we're talking about here. Fine.
0: Many people are working more hours than they did when they were going into the office. More? And
1: yes. Okay. This cannot continue. How do you put more hours in the day? Oh, wait, that's right. You're not commuting now nearly as much as you did in the past. So now- Obviously, you have all of this free time when you can do additional work. Wait, wait, wait. When did our commute become part of the corporate-owned workday? Well, didn't you hear that the car is now the extension of the office, and you know, now our home is taken over as that uh, as that uh, new buffer. Yeah. Okay. So, all jokes aside. We've concluded that everyone is stressed because the expectation is that we're working all the time. Have I got that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's at least part of it, but I don't think that it stops there, right? We, there there are these expectations that we have all the time and are available all the time, Yeah. but it's also the fact that the work is happening at home and that causes its own set of stresses and distresses. Right. So sometimes people forget that the work from home WFH has the H in it that stands for home. But what's the issue? Um, we really
1: need to you know tease this apart because home could be better. You know, like I just said, you know, there's no commute now. Well,
0: OK, but it's working from home. That means we're working in a place that was not set up for work. Um, now, plenty of people are happy doing the work part it's just complicated doing it in your house or your, whatever your home space is.
1: Oh, of course. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I think of my home as a respite from work, uh, an oasis. Uh, But now we're expected to bring non-oasis stuff into our happy place. Does anybody else feel a little weird about this? I think a
0: lot of people do. So Working from home brings flexibility and that works for some
1: people, but for others, this is this is a nightmare. Oh, like when you see, when you're on Zoom and you see someone's, you can't unsee someone's bedroom.
0: Uh, that's a little much. There's a lot of things you can't unsee on Zoom sometimes.
1: It's TMI. But it's really, it's not clear that the trend to support working from home is healthy. And it certainly isn't for those who are now realizing that there's no way that their dining room table is ergonomically correct. Just not going to happen. But it's also more than that. Uh, people don't have time for physical activity. They're not getting up out of their off their desk. They don't. They aren't getting into nature. They aren't doing their hobbies. Um, this is increasing, and there are studies on this. There's this is increasing insomnia, backaches, irritability, anxiety. The list goes on. Oh my god. Companies are seeing a rise in burnout. And everything you talked about, that huge
0: list, insomnia, backaches, irritability, anxiety can be even heightened for folks who are parents, especially moms, because they now also have an increased set of responsibilities at home. Uh, It's really puts the squeeze on whoever that caretaking person is and can lead to feeling like you really can never be good enough either at work or at home.
1: I see a lot of doctor visits in the future.
0: Yeah, sick days, injuries, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Maybe we should just move on. Okay. So besides the issues caused by unrealistic workload
0: expectations and actually working out of your home, which as we've said, causes this other set of issues, I think communications are an issue too. And we've got a couple of problems here. One is that there are different Well, shall we say styles for communicating while working from home? And these can come from personalities or like folks who are tech savvy, but not so tech savvy, maybe generational differences. There are lots of reasons why people might have different styles.
1: (laughs) Reminds me of uh, Rush Hour when uh, Chris Tucker asked Jackie Chan, can you understand the words coming out of my mouth? And in some cases, the answer is no.
0: (laughs) Like the person who couldn't understand why his team member didn't respond to his email and just sent a text with a strange bitmoji.
1: <laughs> in that case, you know, we're, they were actually speaking different languages. Bitmoji is a, is a new language. And sometimes the translation doesn't work
0: or it just nope. it just makes it more difficult and adds more barriers during this moment in time.
1: I don't understand. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. Yeah, good point.
0: Another separate issue from this miscommunication because of all the different ways that people can communicate remotely is that we're communicating almost exclusively using a whole variety of computer or phone-based tools. And this computer-mediated communication really strips our conversations of contextual cues. So what I'm talking about is that a large portion of the information conveyed when you're in person, when you're face-to-face, comes from nonverbal cues. You know, hand gestures, that hand waving and crazy facial expressions from your coworkers. Stop looking at me. Hey, I'm not looking at you. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, now I am looking at you. Anyway, (laughs) all of those crazy facial expressions from your coworkers, Jennifer, efficiently tells you important stuff. People need this kind of social cues to adapt to the coordination and the other social needs for the situation. Without them, our brains are, they're kind of working in overdrive to try and figure it all out. Or alternately, people operate without really thinking about those social cues, and that can enable bad behavior. Either way, it takes a lot out
1: of us. It's really true because your, your mind tries to fill in what the social cues would be. And, you know, sometimes the brain can do a good job and sometimes we make mistakes. Um, there's also communication overload in terms of textual communication so we don't have social cues, so we're relying on textual um, cues, or Bitmojis, um, but, you know, people use different, or people use text, cue, or text communication in different ways, and then there's different types of text communication, so when you wake up and there are 500 emails in your inbox, and 50 texts, and some voice, bizarre voicemail thingy that no one ever uses anymore, it gets to be a little ridiculous. Yeah. And you've
0: got that volume of all these different kinds of communication coming at you. Plus, with the eight hours of back-to-back Zoom calls, you wonder when you're supposed to respond to the emails or the Slack channel, or or better yet, when you're supposed to get just the other work done.
1: I just keep wondering when I'm supposed to take a bio break. I actually read about, this is a true story. I read about this person who had to take a bio break between meetings. And was so rushed, she was actually thinking, how little can I pee so I can get to the next meeting on time?
0: Okay, That's crazy because peeing takes so long already.
1: That's just not right. That's just not right. Honestly, actually, I just wish people would wash their hands. Literally 30 seconds, 20 to wash, 10 to dry. Come on.
0: Okay, I, I can see it here. You need to add bladder infections to that list of physical ailments that will come out of all this working from home. It's true. Got a point there.
1: Um. But back on a more serious note, the change in communication systems, styles, along with social uh, isolation can really take a toll on individuals and their team's ability to work together.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I thought that we were getting too much of each other with all these Zoom calls and the massive communications and such.
1: Yeah, well, we're getting plenty of calls, but uh, are we actually productive with those calls? And- studies are now showing that we need a little bit of a buffer. I mean, small talk has its place and people are realizing that we need small talk. We don't sit around and just socialize. We like we used to at the beginning or end of meetings or in the hallway, um, talk about the game the day before, or, you know, find out how somebody else's other project is going, swap stories about vacation disasters. Not that we've had those. Um, but now people feel in meetings that they're they're isolated and everything's impersonal. There are no there's no more meetings and just chatting around the coffee pot or going out to Starbucks.
0: Yeah, that it, it it is a huge difference when we're constantly, you know, the only way that we bother to communicate is it's something formal and structured around a Zoom call or or a, an email message. But I think also some people are, really are just alone, meaning. Yeah you know, without others, even as an introvert, being alone 24 hours a day can be extremely unnerving. And it's hard to build community
1: when the only reason to communicate is work and only work. And even though spirituality is about someone's own journey, social isolation can weigh on their spirit. It's not healthy to be alone without getting feedback on one's choices and their effects on others. So let's turn to some tools and techniques that can Help us build our teams to work and communicate better and you know help them establish better practices. So it seems like we've got this whole list and it
0: might feel overwhelming, but there actually are things you can do to actually help with what seems perhaps like a really fraught situation with work from home. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I'd like to talk about is um, leading our teams to success, in times like now when there really aren't very many boundaries.
1: Well, there it is right there. Boundaries. We talked about this a little bit last time, but the first technique really is to put on your own guardrails. But also when team members see the leader exhibiting such behavior, they're more likely to see it as acceptable and it builds community around this type of behavior, changes the the norms. So, for example, stop sending emails at 2 a.m let people get some sleep. I'm
0: not up at that hour. Are you up at that hour?
1: No, I didn't think so.
0: And for the love of coffee, don't text at that hour, right? It's not just about emails, but any communication outside of that. If you do that outside of, I'll call them normal working hours. If you do that, you're intentionally or unintentionally signaling that other people on the team or in your organization should be up and working too. If not, they obviously don't measure up to your standards. That's the expectation you're setting.
1: And I understand sometimes you you wake up and you have to get something out and you, you just are dying to, to put out a, a text or something. But the last thing I want to hear is a text message notification at 2 a.m. The first thing I think of is, and I'm not kidding, who died? It's a horrible thought. I can't turn off the notifications because of what if somebody died? Yes, this is a seriously what's going through my head.
0: That happens to me too.
1: But but you know, if something is driving you
0: crazy, fine, go ahead, write the email. Knock yourself out. Leave it as a yeah, leave it as a draft or schedule it to be sent out at, at, at an hour that's sort of more in working hours. And a lot of email services now have an option to schedule when you send your email, or you can get little applications like Boomerang or Inbox When Ready use them. So fine, do your work when you want to, but so you don't inadvertently set an expectation that everybody needs to be working 24-7, just make sure it goes out during work hours.
1: And likewise, research has shown that employees subject to a constant stream of communications have a more t- difficult time with memory, concentration, and attention.
0: I can't uh, I can imagine.
1: I, you know, I read an article in the
0: Harvard Business Review where the author, uh, I think it was Leslie Perlow, Had to convince members of a team, had to convince them to designate and spend one night a week completely unplugged from work. This practice spread throughout the company. And what they found was that people who had mandated time off in the evenings, mind you, had higher job satisfaction, better work life balance, and felt that they learned more at work. Can you imagine having to convince people to
1: take one night off per week? sadly i can and i think i have this company is not that abnormal yeah i just thought it was
0: limited to academics (laughs) anyway be the boss that helps others take back some of their leisure time everyone will be better off yeah
1: similarly sometimes leaders have to set up guardrails for the people we work with this means helping your team prioritize you know, focus on the critical few projects or tasks, realizing that sometimes if they if one thing has to get done, something else has to fall off the list. Protect them when they need to say no. So guardrails don't mean fencing people in, but rather setting up structures to make sure they're successful. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode of the Mac and Wooly Show. Show.